0: Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Domers. This is season two, episode six, and today we're discussing lessons learned from gardening indoors. In case you're new to the podcast, Small Scale Life is a blog and podcast dedicated to developing a sustainable life through gardening, healthy living, frugal living, and having adventures along the way. At Small Scale Life, we are always focused on learning, doing, and growing. Before we begin the podcast, let's talk about some friends of Small Scale Life. Hey, everybody. The weather's getting warmer, and it's time to start thinking about planting fruit trees. If you're thinking about planting American elderberry, American plum, Bartlett pears, black locust, or even something like Comfrey Bocking 14 or Comfrey Bocking 4, you really need to check out Greg Byrne's site and store at naturesimagefarm.com. Use a code SSL for 10% off all nursery stock plus free shipping. Check out Greg's site at naturesimagefarm.com today. Do you want to share your gardening story and experiences? Do you have questions about plants, blight, or critters? Do you want to join a fun community online? You should join us at the Small Scale Gardening Facebook group. I created this group in April of 2015 so that people could share their gardening and harvest preservation stories. Our group has everything from container gardeners to homesteaders to urban farmers. Stop by and take a look around and share your story. Continue to learn, do, and grow on the Small Scale Gardening Facebook group. All right. Well, welcome to spring. Well, here in Minnesota, we've had the strangest winter this year. We had cold right on schedule, right early in December, and then it heated up. Um, you know, we had sixty-five degrees here in February, which is really unusual. This week, we uh, winter told us that we're not quite done yet. We had about four or five inches, uh, up to twelve inches, depending where you are in Minnesota and in Wisconsin. Um, And typically, March and April are two biggest months for snow. So there's just no planting outside yet. No planting, no greens outside yet. Even though that's 65 degrees and warmer temps, um, you can see some of the lilies started to pop up through the ground. They thought it was uh that winter was over and it was start for the, it was time for spring to start, but uh unfortunately no. We are still in winter. Although the snow is melting off here this weekend. We've got some decent temperatures So, um it's just it's a, it's a weird year. So, throw your hands up, you're not planning outside yet. You just got to roll with the punches. So, You got to be patient, and uh, the only way you're growing outside is if you have a a heated greenhouse or something of that nature, something heated. Um, I had two bales of um, a potting mix outside, outside. and when I went to pick them up and bring them inside to start uh, growing seedlings, to planting seedlings um, for my grow area, both bags were frozen solid. So it's just uh, it's still getting cold at night. yeah, it's just too cold to plant outside. So so let's talk about growing inside. You know, for the past few years, I usually start my seedlings um by the second or third week of February. And uh just with everything happening um happening this year in February and all the all the crazy madness, you can check out a couple of the earlier podcasts, five and six, uh to uh, actually four and five to get more insight on what's what was going on in, in uh, February for us, um, it, it just didn't get done. So actually, if you think about it, if you look at the seed catalogs or even the back packets of some seeds, it's tough to hear that one, hear that? That's some seeds. Yep, that's broccoli. Um, you're actually... Supposed to start um, about five to seven weeks before the last frost date. That's the instructions on the packet. I've got some tomatoes here. And uh, yeah, the packet says, well, uh, start indoors in a warm, well lighted area six to eight weeks before planting outdoors. So six to eight weeks. That one's not shaking too well. You can't hear that one, but uh, got my seeds right here. Um, taking a look at those. And uh, if you think about it, I'm right on schedule. I didn't plant in February, but uh, typically May 10th is our last frost date here in the twin cities in Minnesota. So backing up, I'm right on schedule. If I plant here this weekend or next weekend, uh, I'm right on schedule for that six to eight week sweet spot. Uh, You know, People live in different zones. This is zone 4B, and people live in different zones. I will have links in the show notes if you want to find out what zone you're in. If you live in the United States or Canada, you can click on those links, and uh, it'll tell you what zone you're in. And from that point, you can back up and find out what your last frost date is, and um, you can figure out that six to eight week spread that sweet spot from the last frost date so that's that's a good thing to do and good thing to know keep on on hand you have two last you have your last frost date in the spring and then you have your first frost date in the fall so it's good to know those two dates because that's going to be uh that's going to be your your growing season really uh unless you start indoors and that and that's our way to hedge on the the cold weather here so I am actually going to follow directions for once. Can you believe it? I, uh, <laughs> I've talked about my inner rebel before and how I don't, uh, it's pretty strong and it doesn't like to do, uh, to follow directions. But this year looks like I'm going to be following directions and, uh, and, 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 f- Doing it right the way I'm supposed to be. And trust me, I'm about as shocked as uh, those of you that know me pretty well are. So, yeah, uh, my inner rebel is just going to have to relax because it's the time I've got left. So here we go. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about... um, Growing Indoors. I recently had three articles on Small Scale Life about growing indoors. The first one was in December. It was actually a guest post uh, from a person named Kylie Oliver, and it was about winter care for indoor succulents. Really kind of introduced the topic of growing indoors and talked about some of the things that uh, that us veggie growers get into and we start uh, growing indoors. And uh, over the past two weeks, I've had two articles of my own here um, about Starting seeds indoors, starting plants indoors. I had eight steps to sharing starting plants indoors um, last week, and then this week, uh, how to garden indoors. So, there's some good tips and steps in there. Uh, as an aside, it's a reminder for all of you if you want to be on the Small Scale Life podcast or write a guest article for the blog, just contact me at real small scale life at gmail.com. Again, real small scale life at gmail.com. Um, I've got Got a couple articles from from someone who wanted to guest post here, and I will um, thank you, Richard Clayton, for doing that. I will be posting those in the near future. But if you want to, uh, you want to tap into the uh, the small scale life uh, fan base and and followers, you're more than welcome to. I'm, I welcome uh, guest posts and, and guests here on the podcast. I will be uh, having scheduling some more guests here for the podcast in the very near future. But uh, if you want to submit an article. Have at it, have at it, all right, so getting back to uh growing seeds indoor or growing plants indoors um I've been doing this for a few years um and I've learned a lot from my own trial and error sometimes more failure than success but um but I've typically been able to grow enough seedlings indoor indoors for not only my garden but my um father and mother in law's garden um my brother-in-law, my brother, and my mom. So I I typically grow more than than just a couple of uh, seedlings here and there. It's, it's probably uh, I'm probably growing too much. I mean, if it was just for me, I'd be growing way too much. But uh, if I can give these plants away to somebody and they can grow some good food, have at it. Um, and I'm. I'm even going to uh, talk to some of my other relatives here and see if they want uh, some seedlings for the spring. So it's kind of fun. I enjoy it. And if I'm doing it in a, in a batch anyway, um, I usually plant overseed seed. And um, and that way, if uh, if a couple die out, then I've got backups. And uh, by the time I'm all done, all said and done, I've got plenty to go around. Um, but. Uh, my blog here at Small Scale Life, and then my my other blog, Small Scale Gardening, I've had a few articles about starting seeds, and I figured it would just be good to kind of talk about some of the lessons I've learned over the past few years. Um, so there's about, let's see, how many? I've got, ooh, do, 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 do. I've got about nine points here, nine things I've learned from starting seeds indoors, and I figured I would share them with you and, and maybe it would help you out uh, so you don't. Repeat the same mistakes and have better success. Okay, so here we go. Number one, so start seedlings to meet your last frost date, and that's what we were just talking about, figuring out when your last frost date is and then backing up six to eight weeks, and that's going to give you their, your time to plant. Again, that link in the show notes is there, so go check that out. And. Um, um, you know figure out when that date is and back up from there and and even if you're beyond you're going to be beyond that frost date if you're going to say it's May 10th and your your seeds are going to be, you know, 8 weeks or 6 weeks is going to be the end of May, plant them anyway. What the heck, right? Get them going. Um, you know, if you buy stuff from the store like your big box store and they've got a flat of um uh, of tomatoes or whatever, you're probably paying about a a dollar per inch of plant. So if you have a plant that's three inches tall, it's going to be nine bucks or, or, uh, sorry, three or four bucks. So, um, um, yeah, my math there, what the heck Tom, but, uh, you know, you'll probably pay about a buck an inch. And, uh, if you want nine, uh, tomato plants, suddenly you're going to be putting out some money for that. So it's, um, you some upfront costs in in, uh, in starting seeds, but really, in the long run, you're going to be better off. So, so yeah, figure out that uh, figure out that last frost date and get going. Uh, number two, mark and label seeds and seedlings as you plant them in your cell pack or containers. As you um, start to fill up your tray and you're planting different seeds in these containers or in these different cells, if you can picture what a cell is, I'll have a picture in the in the show notes. Um, unless you've got a photographic memory, you're going to forget. And especially me, where I will take... Um, I will grow, I'll take a cell pack of nine, a cell of nine. It's a little three by three container. And I'll put different tomatoes in one cell, different tomatoes in a different cell, in the third cell, another set of tomatoes. So they'll all be tomatoes, but you might have a cherry, a cell of cherries next to a cell of bee steak, tomato plants. And if you don't label what those are when you're growing them, you're going to suddenly forget, oh, shoot, was that the cherry cell pack, or was that the beefsteak cell pack, or hey, that was Roma's, you'll forget. And uh, suddenly, you'll end up with what I call a... um, a box of chocolate garden you won't know what you're going to get until the the fruit starts to bear and then you might suddenly have all beefsteak or all cherry and that's not what your intention was peppers are the same way red peppers green peppers jalapenos all the pepper seeds look about the same so if you don't mark them as you go you're going to just forget and it's going to get kind of messy and you might end up with uh, all jalapenos or or some peppers uh, green peppers and no jalapenos it, it just gets really confusing really fast you just don't want to be like Forrest Gump says. You never know what you're gonna get. You don't want that. So mark everything, label them up, take the time. Um, don't do a shortcut there. Uh, let's go moving on. In number uh, number three, um, light is critical to the growth of plants, and we talked about this in those uh, in those articles, in all three articles actually. Light is one of those key elements. So um, some people they grow near their indoor. Indoor windows—they—they um, grow indoor near their windows, and—and and that's not the greatest place to grow your plants. I mean, some people get by with it, but um, this time of year, the sun is lower in the sky, and you might not get that full twelve to sixteen hours of of light per day. The days are just shorter, and uh, the other thing you might run into are wild swings and temperature variations during the day. In the morning, it's cool. Uh, Midday, it might get the full-strength sun, and it might get hot. And then by evening, it's going to get cold again. I mean, even with double, triple-plane windows, you're going to have some temperature variations right near the windows. And that might not be great for those plants. Um, If you check out the the articles... uh, particularly how to grow indoors. I talk about different, uh, different lights that can be used. I talk about my lights. Um, I use just inexpensive T12 fluorescent light bulbs in a, in a fairly inexpensive shop light. Got all this right from Menards. i give them a plug, but, uh, I got Mine from Menards and it's a, uh, if you want to know the exact brand, it's Sylvania T 12, 40 watt grow lights. They're fluorescent bulbs and, uh, about four feet long. And, um, and I just use the whatever inexpensive shop lights I could find. So that's what I use. And I've used them for a couple of years. Um, I've married up. I've got one grow light on one side and then I've got a regular fluorescent on the other side. I've considered going to both grow lights. Um, you know, I'm just trying to give it uh, the plants variation in, um, in different light waves. Uh, Jack Spierko uh, from the Survival Podcast. He's a very popular uh, podcaster, blogger. Homesteader, um, he recently had an article in a podcast about starting seeds indoors, and he recommended the Kingbow reflector. It's an LED, 45-watt 40 watt LED uh, grow light, and uh, they look good. I don't have any experience with those. There's a video that's attached to the um, 8 Steps to Growing in Plants indoors blog post uh, against the Kingbow Reflector 45-watt LED grow light. Uh, and he got it. He's advertising his own. Amazon affiliate through that. So um I don't have mine yet, but I'll I'll uh, make sure to link to it when I when I do. But uh that's what Jack uses and, and likes. Um and my friends over at modernstedder.com. Modernstetter.com. They use um, a company called Bright Agrotech's indoor hydroponic system for their edible learning labs uh, in, in Wyoming. It's a school lab where they've, or it's a school room that they've set up with all these different uh, indoor gardens. And uh, this is a pretty slick system. Um, it's probably overkill for what we're trying to do here. Unless you want to do, uh, you really want to get into indoor hydroponics. It's pretty cool though. Uh, I know they set up a big system in Aurora, Illinois. That's where I used to live right out there. And they set up a whole indoor hydroponic system there. And I know the guys at Modern Stetter, Tim and David, they've uh, they've set a really nice lab over there in, in uh, I think, Buffalo, Wyoming. Really cool. I have a link to that. Check that out when you get a second but uh it's pretty cool so we're talking about lights and number four continues to talk about lights one of the big deals with uh with the lights is you want 12 to 16 hours and the best way that i've found to manage light uh is just use a timer automate your lights with a timer and it's Timers are not that expensive. A couple bucks for one or five bucks for two or maybe even 10 bucks for two. But still, um, life gets busy. We all get really busy. We're running around. Uh, We're doing all kinds of stuff in our everyday lives. Are you really going to remember to flip on the light when you get up in the morning and then... 16 hours later, remember to turn them off. Are you really going to remember that? I don't, uh, especially if I'm traveling or something like that. Um, it's just easier to automate that portion. So um, it's inexpensive. Timers are everywhere at your local hardware store, or big box store. Uh, it doesn't have to be all fancy with digital programming or anything like that. It doesn't have to have the bells and whistles. It's just a simple timer. That you're probably your mom and dad used once upon a time to turn on and off the lights when they were on vacation. Um, it just needs to work, and you plug that in, uh, plug in your lights to that, not the heating pads. We'll talk about heating pads in a minute, but plug the lights into that timer, and you've automated your ti- your your lights. Really simple. I have mine plugged. Uh, my lights, all all four of them, plugged into two timers. Um, actually, no, plugged into. Um, plugged into a power strip and then that power strip is plugged into the timer so it just turns all that that whole cell of lights off really easy cheesy and um, it works great Uh, your your heating pads you're going to want to provide on a separate you know into a uh, a power strip that's uh, not plugged into the timers and we'll talk about that in a minute so number five let's talk about Potting mix and uh, soil mix. I, I say use a use a potting mix from a store. Um, I'm all about being frugal and uh, trying to do it on the cheap. But the key here is do not do not bring your soil in from the outside. Do not bring in compost. Do not bring in soil from the outside. Again, I'm all about being frugal, but. You might find out that you're bringing in some unwanted pests and bacteria and fungus in with that soil. And those things will kill your seedlings. I made a big mistake a couple years ago by bringing in some mature lettuce and spinach and I think kale too. I brought it in indoors. I wrote about this on small scale gardening, but I brought it all indoors. It was looking great. Um, I didn't notice anything. I went on vacation. I came back and it was like, Oh man, what's going on? I had bugs all over it. Those were aphids. It was the March of the aphids. And, uh, sure. I tried to spray them and take care of them, but they eventually won. I did not. And, uh, You know, if you bring that stuff in from the outdoors, you might bring in what was living in that stuff, too. Um, And those aphids or thrips, they can wipe out everything. They really can, Um, especially indoors where there's no predators. They're just going to go to town. So what I've been doing is I've been creating my own soil mix. Um, Last year, I used um, a potting mix. I used vermiculite and I used compost from the store. I used the cheap compost and I learned the hard way. Um that really cheap compost like at Menards, it's only like a buck fifty, a bag of that, it might be full of clay. And clay is not great for gardening. It gets uh, it's so has so many fines in it, so many little particles that it all just When it gets wet, it gets kind of gloppy. It gets to be a big glop of soil and it doesn't break up. It doesn't get into a nice loam or it doesn't lay flat. It just is a big clod. And when that clod dries out... It is hard as a rock. You really don't want to use really cheap compost. I think some of these soil companies say, hey, black dirt is black dirt. Looks good to us. Put it in the bag. We'll make other material later on. Hey, we've made our quota. But that stuff is not good for growing. And I've got some pictures from uh, last year showing how much uh, clay – uh, found in these bags another thing that I found um I actually made a screen out of hardware cloth and I was screening out the peat moss i was using or the the potting mix that I was using and if you use I was using a cheaper potting mix, I got almost a full coffee can of junk i mean rocks and uh this is the same for the compost rocks and um sticks and stuff that I just didn't want with my seedlings or even in my garden beds. I don't want that stuff in my garden beds. I'd really don't, I really do not i do not want a bunch of rock in my garden bed and I don't want a bunch of sticks in my garden bed. So, um, so that cheap compost is something that, uh, I really would caution you about really caution you to stay away from that stuff too. Um, this year I'm going to do something a little different. Um, you know, when you make your own mix like that, it is an extra cost because you're getting more compost. You're getting more vermiculite. Those things cost money. um, I am going to do something different this year. I am just going to use store-bought potting mixes. I've got two bags from two different manufacturers, and I'm going to test those two. Uh, One is called ProMix. The other one is Master Gardener, I think. I got those both at Menards. Yeah, this is like the Menards uh, material list here. Uh, But, uh, you know, those two potting mixes are a mixture of compost, and they've got some peat moss in there. Two different vendors, so I'm going to just use them as is out of the bag. The other thing I've got is this really uh, interesting. Maybe you can hear that. Hopefully you did. This interesting brick, this this organic s- seed starting mix. It's core, C O I R, and uh, it's made from natural coconut fiber, and it's a soil alternative. Uh, my friend Emily from Pass the Pistol, she um, she swears by this stuff, and she's uh, in her What she's doing is she was using core instead of the peat moss type potting mix uh, to save the peat bogs up in Canada and everything. Me, I just find it an interesting alternative. Uh, It's it's this little brick. It's about the size of a brick. You put it in a bucket and you add water and and suddenly, boom, you've got eight quarts of potting mix. Sounds like a plan to me. Let me give that a shot. So I'm going to test the core versus potting mix one and potting mix two. I'm going to use the same kinds of seeds. Gonna gonna put them in a seed tray. Same seeds. I think I'll do lettuce or greens. So one little cell, one little container will have um, lettuce, and I'll have core. The other container will have um, lettuce, and it'll have potting mix one. And the other container will have potting mix two, and it'll have lettuce. And we'll just test them, see what happens. So I think that'll be a fun experiment, and see what. Um, what your store bought, uh, potting mixes are going to do. These are readily available at, at Menards or any big box store. So let's see what it does, see how good they are. And, uh, that'll be an interesting experiment. So I'm going to get going on that. Hopefully this weekend I am traveling next week. So, um, I just don't want everything to dry out because folks won't be, uh, watching the plants like I will, but, um, but I want to get those going here. Um, So, yeah, different potting mix, Uh, use potting mix. Uh, There's another reason for using um, potting mix not uh, from the store or using potting mix from the store, Uh, and that is dampening, damping off. Uh, disease and that stuff it's it's full mold and fungus we'll talk about that when we get into watering and i'm going to do a separate podcast on dampening damping off disease um but if again it's that fungus that you're bringing inside if you use your your compost or your garden soil from your garden so just heads up go go spend less than five bucks for a big bag it will be more than enough uh for your for your gardening needs so um you know the core; it's about two fifty per brick. You get eight quarts. That's quite a bit. And the big bags are like less than five, and uh, that'll be more than enough for your seed trays. So, go buy the potting mix. It's worth it. Okay, you don't want to kill your seedlings because there's some bacteria and mold in there. We've got enough challenges growing this stuff. Don't add to it. Okay. So number six, be aware of the temperature in your growing area temper it's all about temperature right if you are growing in a warm area uh, your plants are going to do a lot better plants will grow uh, when that soil gets into the 50 60 70 degree range when uh, and it depends I mean some plants like spinach will grow in cooler temperatures but other plants like peppers they really um, they're for more of a um, a warmer climate that's where they came from they're not from up in minnesota they're from down uh you know central america or near the equator so they want it to be warmer and um you know i where i grow it's an unfinished basement in a a 1946 era home so post world war ii home so it, it gets cold in the basement and um just the way the heat works uh most of it's diverted upstairs so the basement is cold It's like a meat locker, which is great for uh, for flower design and everything, but not so great for growing tomatoes and peppers. So you so I really watch that temperature, you know, and I've had trouble. I've been so frustrated in the past few years when I've been trying to grow peppers or tomatoes and uh, they grow really slowly or sometimes they just don't even grow at all. It's too cold. The soil is too cold. Um, Two years ago. Two years ago, I got really frustrated. I didn't have uh, heating mats yet, so uh, I was looking online at uh, a Facebook group. I think it was a pepper grower Facebook group because I was getting so frustrated with um, with the slow growth or no growth of my peppers um, that I was looking on the Facebook group, and somebody said, "Hey, put if you got a cold environment and you're trying to grow in a clo- cold area, why don't you put your peppers inside the oven and turn on the light, and that should give it. You know, close the door." turn on the light. That'll give it enough heat to, you know, let the peppers germinate. And I thought, hey, that sounds like a good idea. That's a great idea. I don't have to buy a $25 heat mat. I'll just put them in the oven and turn on the light. Sounds good. So I did that. I put, uh, I was trying to grow at that time, these peppers in uh, Dixie cups. So they had Dixie cups, holes in the bottom and seeds in it. So I put in two flats of Dixie cups into this uh, into the oven Turned on the light and I left. I think I had somewhere to go or a meeting or something. Well, in the meantime, um, my son Ryan or Julie came home and they were hungry and they turned on the oven to make a pizza or make dinner and uh, turned it up to 350 degrees. And suddenly uh, and they walked away and suddenly they started smelling something funny. Um, there's all these cups I think they were styrofoam cups and plastic cups, uh, red solo cups inside the oven that were starting to melt. And so they came back in, and oh my gosh, things were going all over the place and starting to get a little uh, melty in there. And uh, needless to say, that was the last time I used that method to try to grow peppers. So no more using the oven. That doesn't work. Don't even try it. You'll start a big disaster. Um, Get a heating mat instead. Okay. But. If you know the temperature, you know, go get a little thermometer, put it in your growing area and figure out what that temperature is. Remember, your soil needs to be needs to be warm. And that leads us right into uh, uh, is number seven. Um, using a heating pad, you know, a, a good way to add heat to the soil to, to spur germination is with a heating pad. You know, I bought mine again over a couple of years, I bought three of them and they're like $25 a pad. So over the past couple years, I've, I've acquired three and mine are, um, this brand uh what's it called here they're they're hydro farm heating pads and they're the perfect size to sit under a standard tray a sand standard seating tray uh i think they're 11 by 19 or something like that but they fit perfectly and they work great you'll get great germination from peppers and tomatoes pretty quickly using these i rave about them i love them um I've used them for other purposes besides my seeds uh, and my plants. I've used them for uh, helping fermentation of my of my wine because my basement is so cold and I've got this big five-gallon carboy full of fermenting wine. And it needs to be 75, 70 to 75 to 80 degrees to keep the yeast going, to keep that fermentation going. So I've used – I've put um, – Put the heating pad on the side of this and it covers a good portion of the carboy and it keeps the the keeps the wine nice and warm and keeps that yeast working I've also used them for uh, pasta parties my son was a varsity basketball player and so we'd bring in trays of food sometimes the boys wouldn't be done with practice and I would put the pads underneath the the heating uh, the tinfoil trays and we kept the food warm so these things are great I really love them and uh, I actually need to get a couple more just to um, you know to make sure that all my my trays have these seating, uh, seating pa- uh, heating pads underneath them. So use them, find them, use them. Uh, the big box stores carry them. Uh, when I get my Amazon affiliate up and going, I will have links to all these materials uh, through Amazon. So that's going to be a great way to get these too. So I, I think they're great. I think they're worth the investment, especially when you're growing inside. And as you can tell, you can use them uh, beyond just starting your seeds. Okay. So take a look at those. Number eight, uh, check your soils once a day, especially when you're using heating pads. Um, When you have that heat uh, working from the bottom up, the water is water in your tray is going to evaporate. It's just going to happen. And you don't want the seedlings to dry out. You want your soil not to be extremely wet. You just want it moist. You know, you don't want it to all dry out because that'll kill your seeds. So check the soil once a day. And that's going to be tricky when you're traveling like I am. So uh, just check your soils and make sure they just don't dry out. Now, um, Eight and nine are kind of similar because we're going to talk about watering here. Um, so, so check, your, check your, uh, your trays once a day. That's a big key there. And number nine, when you water, water from the bottom up, not the top down. Um, all through life, I mean, it's just the way it is. When we garden, you have your plant and you just put water right on the soil, right around the plant, right? Some people will water the plant as well. And uh, as I've learned, that's a big mistake with tomatoes because you can get um, other diseases and molds to attack. And uh, other plants will, get, uh, will diff- get molds and mildews and all kinds of things. But when we water, we usually are watering the soil right around the plant. And, uh, you know, when we do that to seedlings, we are encouraging molds to grow. We are, uh, by pouring the water directly on the soil, you're encouraging molds and fungus to grow. And there's molds and fungus in all soils. It's just there. Um, by buying that, by using store-bought mix, you're hopefully you're minimizing that. But um, we don't want to encourage molds and fungus to grow by watering on the top. I cannot stress this more. This is important, really important stuff. I lost almost a whole tray of tomatoes last year and other plants because I was watering from the top down. Um, what you're doing is you're encouraging damping off disease. And again, I'll do another podcast about that and we'll talk all about uh, damping off disease, but you're encouraging molds to attack, to grow and attack your plants. And uh, you know, Nick Ferguson, he's a great grower down in Louisiana. A podcaster, uh, homegrownliberty He lost plants last year. I lost plants last year. It just it happens. And if we can minimize that, that's the way to go. Um, so we wanna we want to water from the bottom up, not top down. That means I've got my tray. A typical tray you get at Menard's or online or wherever. And then you've planted in cells or containers that sit in that tray. I'm not planting my I'm not planting directly in that tray. Um I want to be able to put water in the tray, not directly on the soil. So um plant in the container, then put the container in the tray, and then I add water to the tray and it's only about a quarter inch maybe a third inch you don't want to uh, put too much water in there because you'll everything will get too wet and you'll start to encourage those molds and everything so don't water from the top down that's a big mistake Uh, one that I've learned and I will you know last year I was trying to I was trying to cheap out and I'd planted directly in that tray and I was watering from the top down and it was a disaster. Um, you know, it, it really stinks when you, when you see these great, this whole tray of tomatoes, they're all sprouting, they're looking great. And then all of a sudden, uh, the next day, a big portion of them flopped over the side and their stems are starting to get really thin and the leaves are starting to die. And, um, you'll panic cause you've got a mold attack and, uh, um, You know, just don't do that. And, and, and frankly, if uh, if the mold is attacking your plants, I would either get the survivors out of there quick or just trash the whole tray because that mold is going to continue to spread. And uh, you don't want that to jump over into other trays. You want to get rid of that. Um, don't reuse the soil. Um, don't, you know, just don't, it's, uh, it's, it's not a good thing. And, uh, I had to learn the hard way and, um, and, uh, it was a tough lesson to learn. So I think I lost, I lost a big bunch of tomatoes to that. Um, it was pretty, I, I was really upset about it, but, uh yeah those are the big main tips uh for uh the big the big lessons learned from gardening indoors um, again, I think uh, some of the really key ones are use um, you know this big lessons learned use the potting mix from the store I think that's key i think um, heating pads that's another big one um you know use heating pads especially when you're growing your tomatoes and peppers i think another key is to water from the bottom up you know that is another big key to keep the fungus and the molds away um lights you can use all kinds of lights and it will work you know when you do plant um you get your seed trays all full of soil you put your seeds in you're marking them that's another big key is mark your your trays Put the lights really close, like one or two inches off the soil, and that's that really helps. I mean, it adds a little more heat to the soil, but also having that light close is going to um, really help the plants when they pop through the surface of the soil. Um you know it's uh, it'll keep uh, keep those plants if you got them 5 inches away 6 inches away the lights uh the the plants will get uh really thin and spindly and leggy it's called leggy l e g g y um they'll be really thin and wiry and and uh, if you keep that light close uh your plants will get stronger and the stems will get thicker so keep them close uh keep them about an inch away from the tops um other than that, boy, it's uh, it's fun. It's really fun. It's great when you see those uh, uh, when those plants grow. Um, you know, typical germination. Just um, again, I pulled o- over my seed packets, uh, looking at the uh, tomatoes and and broccoli, which I'm going to be planting. You know, you should see germination um, within. You know seven to 10 days, you should see stuff popping through the soil. Um, you know, that's typical on a lot of these seed packets, but, um, you know, that's about it. Uh, seven to 14 days. Yeah. Peppers seem to take a little longer for me. And I think that's just the cold basement and, and just the way things grow. So, um, you know, following the steps, going through it, uh, having all the equipment, getting it set up right. Um, and then planting the seeds in seven to 10 days, you should see stuff poking, pop. you should see plants poking through the surface of your soil. And that is really exciting. I love it when that happens. And that's when I start to take pictures like crazy. I'm like a, uh, you know, dad with a puppy or something. I just take a lot of pictures and th- start throwing them up on the blog and Instagram. I just love it. So, um, there you go. If you have any questions or comments or other tips, feel free to add them here. Add them uh, as comments on Small Scale Life. We'll talk about them. Uh, I am going to do another podcast here. Episode 7 is going to be all about damping off disease. It's going to talk about um, my experience with it and how to manage it. Um, and that's going to correspond with a blog post, too, because uh, you can't grow something and and then not have blight attacks sometimes and it's good to know what you're dealing with. So um stay tuned for that. Uh again, got a lot going on in small scale life. Uh we've got uh we'll be cranking on the uh, garden planning series. We've got a lot to talk about there, a lot of ground to cover, especially now that we're rolling into to later March and into April, where time is gonna be um it's gonna be time to start building uh garden beds and start getting up getting ready for the season. So um Yeah, there's going to be a lot happening, lots happening on small scale life. So thank you for tuning in. Feel free to comment, and uh, of course, please—we really appreciate if you share this around and and give us some uh, love on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to it. Now, give us some uh, feedback. Feel free to rate the podcast, or at least subscribe. That way, you'll know when a new one comes out. Is if you subscribe, uh, feel free to uh, sign up on the Small Scale Life uh, webpage. We're going to have a start building an email list there, and we're going to protect that data. But uh, you know, that's a good way to keep up on. Uh, the latest happening at small scale life lots on tap for this year so so stay tuned things are going to get really really interesting especially as we head into um, late summer and early fall things are going to change rapidly so thank you for tuning in please share and uh, as always we hope you continue to learn do and grow this is tom from the small scale life podcast we'll catch you next time take care everybody